0: thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Jesus just lift up the name of Jesus this morning just say it with me this morning Jesus Jesus hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus thank you mighty God thank you mighty God wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace hallelujah Jesus hallelujah mighty God praise the Lord Father, we thank you that you've given Jesus a name that is above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That there is no other God that we can set before us, no other God that can do the impossible, no other God that, that exists but Jesus Christ Lord father we thank you for that truth in this place this morning we dedicate ourselves to you afresh lord father we thank you for last night and all that was accomplished in the spirit last night but may we be a people whose appetite always says more that father that we can we can have a cup continuously overflowing because we're taking in more and we overflow onto all of those around us because we never stop receiving from you. Father, make us those kind of people today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, worship team, this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, despite the storm last night, we had like 200 people here, and uh, it was an amazing kickoff for Encounter, and uh, it was just great. We had people drive down from uh, Whitby that were here last night, uh, Kingston, a bunch of people from Kingston, Coburg, uh, just about, you know, all over the place, came down from Madoch, Frankfurt, we had a great time. So if you weren't here, you missed out, amen? Isn't that right, Jim? I'm telling you, you missed out. Praise the Lord! Wow. Well, I'm going to be a bundle of joy this morning. I'm going to start off by, uh, you know, telling you this morning, and uh, answering the question why your New Year's resolutions don't work. How's that? Is that nice and cheerful this morning? why your, resolu- uh, your resolution, why your New Year's resolutions don't work. How many have made resolutions in the past? Let me see your hand. Come on, put them on. Be honest here. Pretty much everybody. And how many have had them not come to pass? And you haven't kept them. You sure you um, have. You know, last, last Sunday was the last uh, Sunday of 2023, and then Sunday night we said goodbye to the Old year, and we said hello to 2024, and you know many of you marked it by getting together with friends uh, or with family. Having you know, I saw a few murder mystery parties going on. Different things happen, yeah, uh, and and it's wonderful. They're all great traditions that we have. Um, but regardless of how you marked the coming into the new year, most people will make some kind of a resolution for the coming year. They'll. Determine that they're going to, you know... do something different next year. The most common one I hear, I'm going to lose weight next year. How many have ever made that one? I know I have. Uh, I'm going to lose weight next year. I'm going to get out of debt. It's another one I hear people say to me, oh pastor, this is the year. I'm going to change my spending habits. I'm getting out of debt this year. Uh, some people say I'm going I'm to quit alcohol this year. I'm going to quit donuts, potato chips, uh, eating takeout, ice cream. Uh, I'm going to cut back on my coffee. Okay, let's not get carried away, right Mark? Uh, cutting back on coffee. Hello. You know, uh, some things that you don't need to let go of, and coffee is, I'm just going to endorse it from the pulpit, is one of them. You don't have to let go of that this morning. But you know what? Uh, according to Forbes uh, Health, uh, uh, one health poll, it said this. Uh, conducted in October 2023, 61.7% of people said they feel pressured to set a New Year's resolution. And then in addition, many said that they are planning to commit to multiple 66% were going to commit to multiple New Year's resolutions, and they're planning on making three or more. Wow, three or more, that's a, that's a lot. Uh, you know what? With so many making, uh, people making New Year's resolutions, there's a lot of hope and optimism in the, year, in the air at this time of year, right? And uh, they believe that change can happen. But here's, here's the real truth. Uh, the reality is that 90% of New Year's resolutions will be abandoned within the first three months. That's just a statistical fact. Uh, And you're like, wow, you're just so cheerful this morning, Pastor. Wow, really pumping us up, building us up today. But that's just a simple statistical fact that 90% will be abandoned in the first three months. And, uh, you know, in many ways, the ritual of making New Year's resolutions, I was out with Jamie Mason. We were having breakfast this week, and we're sitting there talking and. And he was like, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I make them in October. He said, like, you can, you can make them any time of year, you know. You don't have to make them in New Year's. Of course, you can, make, you can make a decision and a resolute decision at any time of the year. Then why do people pick New Year's Eve to do that? Why do we do it then? Well, I think it's, it's pretty easy to figure out why. You know, you've got the end of the year, the beginning of a new year. It seems like a good time to assess where my life is at. Uh, What I've been doing, uh, where I'm going, you know, it's a good time to reflect, right? And to make some decisions. Uh, Jennifer Kowalski, she's a licensed professional counselor of ThriveWorks, ThriveWorks in Cheshire, Connecticut. And she agrees with this assessment. She said, a new year represents a fresh start, and people need something to signal a moment to refresh. When something comes to an end, it's an opening to a new beginning, Someone say amen. amen. And since everybody in the world expends, experiences this end and this, uh, this new beginning at the same time, it's no wonder that New Year's is when people make those resolutions. As humans, we tend to feel optimistic at New Year's, even if the statistical information is that 90% will not keep that resolution past three months. Every year, we're still optimistic. And it's because we love the new beginning. We love reset. We love an opportunity to start fresh. In fact, that's a biblical concept. See, I'm doing a new thing, declares the Lord, right? We love the idea, the concept. And in fact, doesn't the Bible tell us that every man or woman who's in Christ is a new what? A new creature, a new creation. We're brand new. We get a reset. Amen. And how many know that Peter went to Jesus and, and, he, and he said, how many times should we forgive somebody? How many times should we offer them a reset? Right? Seven times? You know, he's trying to be generous. What did Jesus say back? Seventy times seven. He wasn't trying to say 490. So when that 491st time comes, you are out of luck. He was just trying to get to him and say, listen, it's, you know, we, just, we release grace. How many are thankful for grace that you've got from God this morning? Amen. Well, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to answer three questions this morning. Three questions that we're going to answer. First, is it wrong to make a New Year's resolution? We're going to tackle that question. Number two, if not, why do we so often fail to keep them? Okay? And then number three question we're going to look at this morning, what is the solution that I should pursue this year? If not a New Year's resolution, what should I pursue? pursue this year father i just pray you give me grace this morning as i uh answer these three important questions for everybody as we face a new year that father you would give us grace father you would give us a uh, favor you would indeed give us a joy as we look into the new year and we ask it in jesus name amen all right so first question is making a new year's resolution wrong of course not not wrong to make a New Year's resolution. It's not something that's wrong. In fact, change is a good thing. Someone say, change is a good thing. Turn to the person beside say, change is, change is a good thing. It is. And, you know, and determining to do better next year, to improve yourself, to make changes, to develop new habits is not wrong. In fact, it's very good. It's very good to develop new habits, to make changes, to do new things. It's a good thing. Amen? It's a good thing. God celebrates that. In fact, our tagline for, I don't know how many years, until six or seven years ago, we weren't desert stream belong, believe, become. We were desert stream, a place of new beginnings. And it's not that we're no longer a place of new beginnings. We just, uh, we just felt we just needed to express ourselves in a fresh way. But Hey, let me tell you, it's still a place of new beginnings. And as Adam said last night, when you uh, come into that new beginning in Christ, uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been away. It doesn't matter if you've never been here and part of the family before. You know, when we step into relationship with Christ, that just as the, the, uh, the parable of the, of the laborers tells us, it's same wage. If someone comes in at the 11th hour or someone comes in at the beginning and they serve God their whole life, grace, the same grace is made available to every one of us. Isn't that remarkable? And so the Bible is, is, is the book of second chances. It's the book of being able to make a, a switch in your life and shifting from where you are going to where God wants you to go. Amen? So... A New Year's resolution, then, is an expression of hope. It's a manifestation of optimism. And let me tell you, as a pastor, I can tell you I like optimism over pessimism, and I'll take it seven days a week. How many know what I'm talking about? Uh, there's nothing worse than having people who come into your office and just over and over again, it's always, oh, Pastor. Oh, Pastor. And you look at the, you know, oh, here it goes again, right? And it's always, you have no idea. I feel like just putting push and play. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Come on, sing it for me, Nikki. Nobody knows the sorrow. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's the same record over and over again. And then, But when we get people who come into the office and say, Pastor, I've got some exciting news, immediately our ears perk up. We're like, wow, okay, tell me what it is. And then they tell you about a breakthrough. They tell you about a change in direction or something that's happened in their life. And you get so excited and it it energizes you as a pastor and it'll keep you going for another year. Just one of those keep you going for another year. We love people who are optimistic. Amen? I'm a a glass half full, three-quarter full, full full-to-the-top guy. I'm not a glass half-empty guy. Uh, You know, I'm one of those people that, sure, there's obstacles to everything you want to do. But let's look at the possibilities before we start listing all the obstacles. In fact, we do that as one of our principles we have as a staff. If someone brings an idea, we look at the potential in the idea before we ever look at the problems. Are you hearing me? Because if you always start with the problems, you're not going to do anything. You're going to sit in fear and you're going to lock yourself up and you won't launch into anything if all you ever look at is the problems. Are you hearing me? Because we serve the God of the impossible. We serve the God who's able to do abundantly beyond all that we can ask or even imagine. So why are we starting off looking at something from the negative when we should be looking at it from its potential? Amen? Praise the Lord. That's all for free this morning, right there. Amen. Um, Here's the key, though, and here's the thing. Optimism alone won't get you there. I love optimism. I love people who are positive. But just optimism and being positive won't enable you or empower you or give you the ability to accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish. It won't allow you to get done, to make the changes, to cause the shifts that you want in your life. So if that's true, then why don't New Year's resolutions work? I'm going to give you, I think it's four or five reasons why your New Year's resolutions don't work. Here's the first one. Ready? The resolution's too big and too vague. You know, that's just the truth. Most of us make resolutions like, you know, I'm going to lose weight this year. All right, well, how much? What's your goal? Is it per month? Is it, you know, uh, you got a goal per week? How are you going to achieve the goal? Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's just general. I'm going to lose weight this way, this year. Some people say, well, I'm going to change the way I'm eating this year. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to clean up my diet. Some people, I'm going to exercise every, every day. Well, okay, what time of day? What type of exercises? How, you know what I mean? You, you, you got to have a plan, people. You know what I'm saying? You can't just say, well, I'm just going to do this. Really? Oh, how are you? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's why in three months is. It's gone because there's no plan, right? And, and we have to understand that, that any plan we have cannot be so big that we can't break it down into smaller pieces and also can't be so vague that there's no way that you're going to be able to accomplish it. The truth is, is that we have to, in order for it to be impactful, right, we think it has to be big. But in order for it truly to be impactful, we have to be able to break it down into doable pieces. We need to break it down into something that we can accomplish. Right? Call it whatever you want. Call it baby steps. Call it you know, uh, uh, process. Call it whatever you want. You have to be able to do that with whatever it is that you do. And you have to also decide to do it daily. Everybody say daily. daily. And think about this. Jesus said to us, he didn't say just pick up your cross and follow me. What did he say? Daily, pick up your cross and follow me. There, We need to uh, exercise authority over the flesh every day. That's why you don't just read the Bible on Sunday. Daily pick up the Word and be transformed by the renewing of the Word. You need to spend time in it every day. Am I making any sense to anybody here? So, you know, you make some kind of a resolution, you want to change something in your life, but you don't practice and go at it every day, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Jennifer Kowalski, the psychologist again, she said this. She said, in order to change a behavior, you have to be uncomfortable. And nobody wants to be uncomfortable. So in order to see a lasting change, you have to be in a state of discomfort for a really long period of time. People tend to set New Year's resolutions that are really big, And they may be achievable, but there are probably 30 steps they need to take before they get to that place. And so they make it unattainable by not setting smaller, more immediate goals. Isn't that interesting? Praise the Lord. All right, so the second reason we don't keep our New Year's resolutions. One was they're too big and too vague. The second one is we're not ready for change. We're not ready for change. We make resolutions and we're not prepared for in the first place. The truth is that most changes come after some serious reflection about your present situation. And, and in fact, uh, one author broke it down this way. They said, this is the five stages to completing anything that you, any resolution you have. There's pre, the stage of pre-contemplation. This is where you start to become aware that there may be something that you need to change. So you might be looking in the mirror and go, oh boy, i got to make some changes. You might be getting your blood pressure and saying, wow, that's not good. i got to make some changes. You might get your blood work back from the doctor time after time again, and the, your sugar's off the chart, and you say, man, i got to make some changes. The cholesterol's off the chart. i got to make some changes. You know, um, you're going up a flight of stairs, and you, can't, you don't have enough breath. you got to make some changes. You know, you're stuck on the same habit over and over and over again, and the habit's starting to rob you from having victory in life. Whether it's alcoholism or drug addiction or porn addiction or any other thing, it's robbing you from your present. Then you look at it and you start to look at it and go, I got to make some changes. It's the pre contemplation stage is really important. And then there's the, the contemplation. You go, okay, you start thinking about that change. What would it take to make that change? How would I go about that change? So then there's the preparation stage. Now you start making a plan, okay? So I've gotten to this place where I've thought about it. I've reflected on it. I know I need to make changes. Now I'm like, how do I, how do I prepare myself for that change? How do I figure out what I'm going to do? Uh, and I start putting together a plan. Then the fourth stage is action. You actually enact the plan. And action requires you to know, make these changes and steps every single day. Everybody say every day. Every day. Every day. Barry and I were just talking uh, in here. Barry's been on a keto diet. And, and I said, well, you know, you can do the Cheeto diet. That's, a, you know, because he was eyeing up uh, Betty Ann's uh, chocolate uh, and raspberry bread there or on the table. And I said, go ahead, man. It's, it's, it's Sunday. I said, you got to have one cheat day. And it's a Cheeto diet. He goes, well, Tammy, I've got freedom! You know, he comes running to the office. <laughs> so so we, what I'm saying is it's okay if you, if you strategically plan that cheat day, and it's one day a week, but it can't, one day can't turn into two days, and three days, and four days. You have to make a plan that is regular, that is daily. Someone say amen. amen. Otherwise, you're not going to accomplish anything. Hello? And then the final step is maintenance of that plan. You gotta, you've got to work at maintaining what it is that you've gotten yourself into. If you've picked a new lifestyle, then you have to maintain that new lifestyle. You have to every day attend to uh, the things and removing from yourself the temptations that would get you off of that lifestyle. Hello, am I making any sense to anybody? Praise the Lord. Okay. Well, I never thought making a change could be broke down into something so complicated. It ain't complicated, but it is not easy. And that brings me to the next point. Why don't people keep New Year's resolutions? Because it's hard work. It's hard work. Keeping a resolution is hard work. Change is hard. It's hard. In fact, you know what one of our foundational principles in counseling is? I'll put it up on the screen for you. This is it right here. Foundational principle of counseling. People will not change until the pain of change, or remaining the same, I should say, exceeds. Everybody say exceeds. The pain of change. So in other words, somebody will not change their behavior until living with the behavior becomes more painful than the pain of changing. And since pain is so, a change I should say, is so painful, it's why a lot of people never change. They don't because... The, the, it's so painful to change that their present situation is still tolerable enough that they won't do anything about it. And that's why I tell people, if you, if you really, if you have somebody that, for example, you're, you're married to an alcoholic, they're not going to change as long as you enable them. That principle addresses it. They will not quit. They will not change until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change. And so quitting alcohol is painful for someone who's an addict. And so the only way that they're going to change is if you, as a spouse or a friend, stop enabling them. Let them feel the full pain of their choice. Are you hearing me? And that's not easy, but but it's the only way they'll change. They need to see what their addiction is costing their family, what it's costing the relationship, what it's costing life, what it's costing them. And as long as you enable them, that's why Alcoholics Anonymous also has Al-Anon. Al-Anon is for the family members of alcoholics to help them so that they stop enabling the person who's an addict. And if you would like further help with this, celebrate recovery Monday nights. Uh, (laughs) where you can bring any hurt, habit, or hang-up and bring it to the Lord and you'll have a support there that will help you make the changes that will give you your best life. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Is that good, Mark? Is there anything else? Perfect, right there. Amen. (laughs) Change is hard. It's painful. And we need something more than a whim or more than a wouldn't it be nice if or more than, well, I think I'd like to do this in order to change. We're going to have to have motivation, we're gonna to have to have a plan, we're gonna to have to have thought it through because it's hard. So okay. Those are the three reasons. Then here third question. Then okay, so yeah, I get it. It's hard. And that's these are the reasons why we aren't able to keep our New Year's resolution. So what is the answer then? What is the solution? The solution is stop trying to be better. Just be a son. All right, did you hear me this morning? Stop trying to be better. Be a son. You say, well, that just sounds awful trite. It's not. And I'm going to explain to you why it's not. You see, making that New Year's resolution isn't wrong. In fact, the desire to change is good. And to want to make changes is good. That's a good thing, right? We all need to grow. We all need to be better next year than we were this year. Well, what's wrong with the way I was this year? Maybe nothing, but you can be better next year. And if you're a person who says, well, there's nothing wrong with me the way I am, then you're delusional. Celebrate recovery. Monday nights is there for you. <laughs> you're completely delusional. The truth is, is that everybody needs to change. Amen. Everybody needs to grow. Everybody. We, they tell you it's here all the time. We, we celebrate recovery from, right, which is progress, but we also are grateful believers who are in, in the process of dealing with this, this, or this. So as a believer, we're always going to be able to mark progress we've made in our life, but we're always in process. And we are in process till the day that we stand in His presence in our glorified body. Are you hearing me? As long as you're in this tent, you'll be in process. As long as you're living this earthly existence, you'll be in process. And there will never be a time when you're, where you're able to go. I have it all together, because when you think you have it all together, see Mark, celebrate recovery Monday night, uh, you know, because you don't. The reality is you don't. <laughs> you see, here's the thing. The truth is, we can't do it in our own strength. We need the strength of the Father. And that is yours, not because you worked for it, not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, not because you did a 7 or 12 or 13 step program, but because you're a son. The strength of the Lord is yours because you are a son or a daughter of the King. Amen? That's just a fact. By the way, I'll use the word son to refer to everybody. Just like, you know, you're all the bride of Christ. Right, whether you're male or female, and you're all sons, whether you're male or female. That's why the Bible says all creation's waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. It doesn't just mean the men. Right? You hear what I'm saying? And so I'm just just forgive me. Don't get offended if you're a feminist out there. That's not my goal this morning. Uh, but I, I just want you to know it's it's just biblically we're all called sons of God. Amen. And sons and daughters, yes, but we're sons of God. So, you know, here's the thing. What I'm saying this morning, don't don't think you can do it yourself. You need to become a son of God. And when you're a son of God, then you have power to do whatever it is that you set your mind to do. Let me give you some scriptures here. Psalms 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Who's your trust supposed to be in? God. Jeremiah tells us this, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is uh, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can trust it? Our trust should be in the Lord. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, to have no confidence in the flesh. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul tells us to be crucified with Christ. Amen? What does all of this mean for you and I? It means this. That the answer is not found in me, it's found in Him. And when I go to Him and I trust in Him and I submit myself to Him as a child of God and I become a son of God, then all things become possible. You hear me? Without Him, it's impossible. But with Him, all things are possible. Somebody say all things. Paul made it abundantly clear, he said in Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things, somebody say all, all, all things through Christ who gives me strength. So the reason New Year's resolutions fail is because they're made in our strength. They're made in the identity of Kevin instead of the identity as a son. But when I come to God and I say, God, I got something I'd really like to tackle this year, and I submit to him as a son, and I say, Lord and I come to him and I said, Lord, how can I get victory over this? And I listen to the Lord and I draw into him. Then he gives me an instruction manual called the Word of God. And he starts to unfold that in front of me and gives me, through the Word, the power to overcome any obstacle that's in my life. See, most of the resolutions that are made by people, whether in the church or not in the church, are made in their own strength. They're a self-determination. They're I can do this. You know, in fact, isn't it amazing, one of the first phrases our kids ever strings together is, I do myself. Right? They don't want you to help them with it. They don't do it themselves, and they're going to spend their whole life doing it themselves. And, you know, and when you're three years old, to, you know, a little bit of self-discovery is good, but when you're 40 and you still think you can do everything by yourself, you might want to, you know, review that. Or as they say all the time, how's that working for you? The reality is, is, when I hear people say, well, I'm a self made person, right, sure you are. I've never met a self made person except Jesus. And isn't it interesting that even Jesus needed to pull away and spend time with the Father? If Jesus needed to pull away regularly and spend time with the Father, what in the world are you doing out there all by yourself? Are you hearing me? Hello. <laughs> now, some would argue that, you know, Keeping in resolution just takes self-control. Self-discipline. That's what you need. Pastor, you should be preaching on discipline instead. Preach on discipline. I've got another verse for you. Consider this this morning. And I remember when I first read this, this was a revelation to me. In bold, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say, of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... Oh... Oh, oh, self-control is not something that comes out of me, but it is a fruit of who? The spirit and working in my life. It's in me by the Holy Spirit. I don't, I can't, I used to work so hard at disciplining myself to do stuff. It was, I was a disciplined guy. And when I when I failed, I felt condemned. And when I succeeded, in my self discipline, I felt puffed up, arrogant and proudful. I'm just being honest. Some of you are you're right where I'm talking about right now. You know, you talk about the things you've done in business, the things you've accomplished, and you look at the things you've done with your family, and you know, and I've done this and I've done that, and, and you're like, ah pretty good, Lord. It's like, wow, yeah, I don't even know how he'd survive without you on his team. <laughs> but for some of you, it's had the opposite effect. Lord, I've tried over and over and over again, and I just keep failing, and I just keep, I just can't seem to win. I just can't seem to get ahead. You know, the problem with both of you is that it, that that self-discipline, that self-control, that power to win isn't in you. It's in him. It's in the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit Fruit means it's something that is produced from life in the Spirit. We spend time in the Spirit. We spend time with Him. And the fruit of that is that we have self-discipline or self-control. It's a fruit. It doesn't produce the relationship with God. It comes from the relationship with God. Do you hear me this morning? It's the fruit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul has some other things to say about this. Romans chapter 8, verse 13, he says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But listen to this. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. How do you put to death the deeds of the flesh? By the Spirit. I have so many... Uh, Young men, I'll be honest with you, they come to me and say, Lord, I'm, they say, Lord, I don't say Lord to me, (laughs) but they say, Pastor, you know, I'm really struggling with addiction, whether it's, you know, uh, porn addiction is probably the number one one, uh, but whether, or alcohol addiction or, uh, you know, drug addiction, they've they've got these things that have their tentacles into their life. They say, you know, I can't get, I can't get free, Pastor. I can't get free. How do I get free? I need to you know, I need to do something like, you know, I have to get free. And my only counsel to them is simple, is to get close to Jesus. Because only by the Spirit will you put to death the deeds of the flesh. You know, I've told people this a lot, but I, I used to be addicted to the news. Seriously, addicted. And uh, I don't watch the news at all anymore. I haven't watched it in 15 years. Maybe more. Maybe maybe 20 now, I sure. But I watched it every morning when I was eating breakfast. I watched it. I came home at lunch, and I'd watch it again at lunch. I'd watch it again at dinner time, and I'd usually watch it again before I go to bed, as if the headlines had changed that much in that time. And I was literally addicted, literally addicted. And what I would do to, to break the addiction is I got rid of the television, right? I took the cord, literally wrapped it around the TV. It was just a little black and white thing. And uh, we were pastoring in Shawville, living in a little house beside the church. And the only child we had was Ryan at the time. And I wrapped it all up and I stuck it in the basement and uh, didn't, didn't have the TV out for three months. I had total victory over the news. Didn't watch it at all. I did it. Hallelujah. And then three months later, Sherry's like, you know, it'd be nice if I... When I'm cleaning and stuff, Ryan could watch, like, you know, Mr. Dress Up or something on TV. Could we just get the TV back out? Okay, sure. I mean, I've got victory now, not a problem. So we put the TV back out, and within a few days of the TV back out, guess what Kevin was doing again? See, I couldn't get victory over it just by removing it. And so that's why people think, well, all I need to do is just disconnect the internet in my house or just get rid of the cell phone, and it will give you. It will give you a temporary reprieve. In fact, in my book I'm working, I have a whole chapter on this principle. It's called, it, 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 it is called, "It you're only as righteous as your options. So many men, you know, 30 years ago weren't as addicted to, for example, and I'm going to be really blunt with you today, to pornography as they are today. Because, you know, as a Christian, to, to do that stuff, you had to kind of go down to the corner store and pull it from behind the, you know, the, the section and behind the counter with the, you know, the covers over it or whatever, and you actually had to risk exposure by actually going and buying the stuff and then finding some place to hide it, you know, your secret sin, right? But now it's like 24 hours a day right there. And so it's not that men are more perverted today than they were 30 years ago. It's just that they have more opportunity to be sinful than they had 30 years ago. And so a lot of times, our righteousness is directly tied to our opportunities. We're only as righteous as the opportunity. You remove the opportunity, all of a sudden you feel more righteous. But you throw yourself into the opportunity again, and guess what? Your righteousness isn't very deep. It's like a kid's waiting pool. The reality is, is that true righteousness is that I could be dropped right in the cesspool and still walk with my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Now, for a season, you do need to cut things off. It is a good strategy. But you you can't just live your life with everything cut off. You have to draw close to the source of the power to live in victory, which is Jesus Christ. And that's how you ultimately get the power over the things that would try to bring you down, is by drawing near to Jesus Christ. We do not put the death, the flesh, the old nature, through self-discipline and through Just being strong and powerful. We do it by drawing close to Jesus and letting his power come in and through us and manifest through us so that I have authority over all the powers of darkness. Then I can say greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Then I can say I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because I'm drawing on the author and finisher of my faith, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So really, there's only one resolution you need to make this morning in 2024. One resolution, and that is to be a son. To draw close to him as a son. Acts 17, verse 28, Luke recorded this, and he said, In him, Jesus, we live and move and have our being, as also some of our own poets have said. And then they said, For we are his offspring. You know, I've seen the first part of that verse many times. In Him we live and move and have our being. But I never finished the whole verse. And because we are His offspring, we are His sons, we are His daughters. That's why everything that we do, we, it's by moving and living and having our, our being in Him as a son. As a son. We must step into Him and live as sons and daughters. We are His offspring, as children. And the closer we draw to to Daddy, the closer we draw to Him, the more superpowers we're going to have. More superpowers we'll have. Even the power to keep a New Year's resolution. Even to be the 10% that can keep a New Year's resolution. You can do it if you draw close to Him. So do you want to lose weight? New Year's resolution number one people make. Then live close to Him as a son. Are you hearing me? You want a better marriage? Live close to Him. As a son. You want to be a better parent, live close to him as a son. You want more self-control, live close to him as a son. And you'll acquire as a fruit of that relationship self-control. One of Barry's favorite verses is Psalm 27, verse 8. And it says this in the New King James says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. But I love how the Amplified Bible amplifies, you know, it, that's what the Amplified Bible means. It, it takes the verb, which we use one word to express in English, and, and it amplifies what the meaning in the original language of that verb was. And listen to this verse in the Amplified Bible. It says this, You have said, seek my face. What does that mean? Inquire and require my presence as your vital need. That's what it means to seek. To require As my vital need. My heart says to you, your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek. Again, inquire and requires my vital need, the necessity in my life through the power of your word or the authority of your word. You see, that's what God's call is to us today. To recognize that we we need to draw near to him as a son and that it's, it's a vital need in our life to have an authentic relationship with God as a son or a daughter. And that when when I have that relationship with Him, the Bible says, Old things pass away. Behold, all things. Everybody say "All all things. All things become new. How? By drawing close to Him as a son. By drawing close to Him as a son. So this year, my advice to you is stop trying to be better. Just be a son. Draw close to the Lord as a son. Stop living as an orphan. When you start having thoughts, well, you know, I just can't do it. That's an orphan talking. I'm not as good as so-and-so. That's orphan talk. Right? Or maybe some of you have even darker statements. God doesn't love me like he loves so-and-so. That's orphan talk. Right? If only I had been given this, orphan talk. The Bible says you've been given all things. There's nothing you lack to be able to carry out the things that God has for you. And whenever you start confessing all of those things, that's orphan talk. It's Because you're not yet living as a son. So you need to live as a son. And when you do, then the Bible says your steps are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in your way. And even if you stumble, you'll never be cast down because he holds you with his mighty hand. He does that with sons. Are you hearing me this morning? <sighs> Nikki, you, you, you had something to, to put on with this, I believe, right? I think you need to come on up and share that this morning.
1: Jesus. How many know it's exhausting to strive and strive and strive? Mm-hmm. It's exhausting, and mm-hmm. as a former striver, <laughs> I'm here to tell you, it doesn't work. No, it's like beating your head up against a wall. Yep. And you might be able to do it for a while, but then you get tired and you crash and you burn, mm-hmm. and it's a constant treadmill of. Mm-hmm. Peaking and crashing, and then getting over the condemnation and going again. Mm -hmm. And I just, I felt in worship this morning, I perceived that there was a grace in the house to step into as sons and daughters. You know, grace is an enabler. It enables us. It Mm -hmm. it takes that striving away, Mm -hmm. and it just, there's an ease in it. Yes. There's an ease to step into the things that God is calling us. Yes. There's an ease to step higher. And I perceive in the house this morning, there's a grace for all of this, yep. for, for the New Year's resolutions, call it what you want, but also a grace to turn from former things, yes. a grace to repent mm-hmm. this morning, mm-hmm. a grace, whether it is secret sin, whether it is a diet, mm-hmm. whether it is, whatever it is, it doesn't matter because there's a grace. There, mm-hmm. is, there is the spirit of grace to enable us today in the house. Yes to turn and to do the things that God's calling us to do.
0: Amen. Amen. I just, just stand with us right now. And if there's, if there's something in your life you want to see shifted this year and, uh, you were, you were saying, I, I made a new year's resolution and then I come here this morning. I don't know if I'm supposed to make one or not. Uh, but you say, you've identified something in your life that you want to shift this year. Then I want to encourage you this morning. that we're going to, We want to we invite you to come. And, and you remember those five steps we put up there? One of them is an action step. After you've contemplated and you said, I know I need to make changes, then there's the action. And One of the first actions we need to make is we need to take that step of faith and say, today is day one. Today is day one. Make today day one. Make today Day one, do you hear me? And so we want to invite you this morning to come and make day, today, day one. Cher?
1: So, Vicky doesn't know this, nor does Kevin. Uh, I just said, leaned over to Barry, and I said, The Lord woke me in the middle of the night and said to me that there was a grace in the house today for people for change.
0: Yes, amen.
1: And so that's the word of the Lord. So you're mm-hmm. hearing it, and it's on repeat. So that means you've got to listen, and it's opportunity knocks.
0: Amen. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Sure, whichever one of you. Go for it. Come on, girls, take authority. <laughs> thank Father, you. Father, we come to you Shut in up. the
1: name of Jesus today, and we thank you that you are speaking. We thank you that you see us, and we thank you that you love us, and we thank you for the grace of God that enables us. So, Lord, the grace of God is present, and we, we, we say Yes. We say yes. We take a step of faith. We take that action step of faith, and we say yes to you today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
0: Thank you, Lord Lord Jesus. Could you just Come on up here to the front this morning. If if God was speaking to you and you need to say yes to Him, let's just quickly this morning, we just want to fill this altar with a space of declaration that I'm saying yes to Him this morning. Today is day one. I am stepping into what my life, my future is as a son. Today is day one for this hurt, this habit, this hang-up, whatever it is that you've got. today's day one of bringing that thing before the Lord and bringing a, a place, uh, your life to a place of where, as a son, you have the power and you have the authority over those things in order to live free in Jesus' name. How many want to be free? I don't know about you, but I like living free. Free is good. I didn't like it when I was bound. I, li- I didn't like the shame. I didn't like the guilt. I didn't like the reproach that I received from the... From the the Lord? I didn't like being in that spot. But living free is good. Living free is good. It is very good. It's like the sixth day of creation. It's not just good. It's very good. Amen? How many know what I'm talking about? So uh, everybody, if you're still in your seat then you're either in denial or you're in faith. We're going to lift out your hands for everybody else here this morning. And uh, so we just ask you to do that. And uh, just stretch your hands out toward everybody here this morning. And let's just reach our hands up to the heavens this morning like this in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you this morning that the Bible says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, we do not stand here this morning at this altar as condemned people. We do not stand here, Lord, as those who have been cast aside or pushed out no that is orphan thinking and we are not orphans anymore father we are sons of god father we have been adopted into the family of god we have been grafted into your vine we are your people we are the sheep of your pasture father we are your sons we are your daughters we have been loved into the kingdom of god and so father whatever it is that we're facing here this morning Whatever uh need that we have, whatever change we have to make, whatever addiction we're facing, whatever problem it is that is in the path of us being the best us, the, the redeemed us that you want us to be. Yeah. Father, we come to it this morning, not Lord as an orphan anymore, not thinking I just if I just make fulfill these seven steps, then I'll be able to do it. If I just if I just practice this discipline or that discipline, I'll be able to do it. But Father, we come to you today and we say, God, if I come to you as a son, yeah as I come to You no longer as an orphan, but as somebody loved by You, then Father and I live in that. And the, and the only resolution I make is to stay there, to stay in yes. that place as a son, as a beloved son of God. And from there, to get into Your Word. From there, to spend time in prayer. Yes. From there, to develop a relationship with You. Then God today, everybody say today. Today, today in Jesus' name, I am free. And those whom the Lord sets free are free indeed. So, Father, we thank you for freedom today, Jesus. Freedom today, Jesus. Freedom as a son. Freedom as a son. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the grace, as Nikki so aptly said, the enabling power to live free forever. And Father, we do not need to be bound any longer. Praise the Lord. Now I want you to look up at me this morning. When you're living in victory, it doesn't mean you won't have the odd slip up. You might still have it. But when you have a slip up, then you're very quick to come back to God and say, Lord, I don't know what I was thinking. But here I am. Don't, Don't run away from him. What happens is many times when somebody does something in a secret place, they avoid the secret place. But if we would go to the secret place with the Lord, we wouldn't fall into a secret place. Do you know what I'm saying? And so don't let shame and condemnation keep you from pressing in to him. Because he loves you. He loves you even when you're committing that sin. He still loves you. His love is not affected one bit. And so what he says is, just come to me. And together we can win. Together we can have victory. Now here's the second thing I want to tell you. Is that is this year you're going to get victory over whatever it is that you came up here for, but next year you're going to have something else. Because you're always in process, right? So, so this year he maybe deals with an addiction. Next year he deals with your temper. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, and then the year after that he's going to say, it's time to get your money in order. Do you know what I mean? And then the next year after that, there's always going to be something that he's working on in our life, and that's good. Because we're being perfected in him. That we are being made into the image of Christ. That he already says, I'm his son. I'm already family. I'm already a co-heir with Jesus Christ. But every day I can start looking more like I am. Does that make sense? Jesus says, I am that. I just want to be a manifestation of what I am. Amen? So just put your hands up again this morning as we close. Father, I thank you that I am a son of God. And that's what I am, not by effort, not by work, not by anything that I've done, but I am that by right. By right provided to me through Jesus Christ. And as a son, I declare today that, Father, I am free. I love living as a free son of God. Say that. I love living as a free son. Say it again. I love living as a free son. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for freedom today. Yeah. We, we literally, Father, will swim in it this year. Yes. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Give the Lord praise this morning. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, thanks for joining us online. And uh, thank the kids' workers for giving us the extra 15 minutes this morning. Lord bless you. Um, next week's going to be another amazing day in the house of the Lord. And begin the countdown of prayer for February 3rd. It's going to be an awesome time as we regather. And get the word out to people that they can come and they can have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.